Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul on Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paulton. Today I've got Dan Densey. Dan's the uh, executive director of the auto infotainment group at Maxim, and we're going to talk about that whole aspect of automotive embedded systems and interface and all the moving parts involved. Isn't that right, Dan? Welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Thank you. Well, you know, go ahead, please. Oh, we'll be addressing some of the various uh, challenges the automotive engineers are facing and talk about some of the trends in, in that marketplace right now. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I'm supposed to say that. You're supposed to give me the answers, you see. But no, I'm, I'm joking. Dan, the bottom line is, is that it really is a busy space right now. I mean, there are a lot of things. You could almost say the automotive industry is being beaten up from a lot of directions. You've got challenging new technologies on the one side. You've got new methodologies, cloud-based systems and Internet of Things. And if you're talking about electric or hybrid plug-in vehicles, you've got smart grid to deal with. And then you've got the automotive industry to deal with, which is a legacy-based industry, uh, not the fastest moving. How do you thread that needle and provide the advanced technology that the automotive industry requires? Right. Well, I think one of the things we, from the just from the get-go, you have to do to keep your sanity about you is is focus on a particular area. So, so in our group at Maxim, the group I'm involved with, we focus on the uh, the, the infotainment portion of the, the market. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely an ex- exciting portion. Uh, it's one of the fastest growing, fastest evolving, and uh, because of the nature of uh, instrument clusters and, and head units and, and the like. There, there is one in every car, so there, there's, a, there's a known market that we're working with and trying to uh, develop solutions for. Well, and, and, and you're absolutely right, Dan. I mean, the, it, that's actually the most critical, if I may say, and I, you, you probably agree with me or you're working in that aspect of it, is the user interface, if it is imperfect, the device will not function as desired. And the biggest problem right now with infotainment systems is the balance between info infotainment, right? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, they have a large struggle trying to, uh, trying to get the content in the cars that people want. I mean, they, they want to have all the functionality of their smartphone and their tablet in the car with them, and they want it to evolve as rapidly as those uh, handset devices. So the, the component makers and the head unit makers right now have a large challenge that they're facing. Well, and, 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 the, and the funny thing is is that um, I used to be involved in the auto aftermarket. I sold uh, Clifford car alarms to uh, Bavaria and Austria back in the day um, when – one of the selling points of a car alarm was the functionality that you could get through the dongle, and all of that got ported into the automobile, including things like OnStar and this. And now we've got the Internet of Things. And now also when you think about it, we've got people hacking refrigerators to do denial-of-service attacks. You've also got to think about things like security. You've got to think about interface upgrades. How do you challenge? How do you deal with that challenge? Yeah, right now um – both in the head unit and the instrument cluster, I think the main challenge that they're facing, uh, you know, they're, they're still trying to get their heads, hands around the uh, security aspect. But as far as the mm-hmm. upgrade path, um, one of the terms that, that they, people have been throwing around is future-proofing. They're, they're starting to 
finally own up to the fact that they need to throw more processing power and more memory into these boxes because people expect software updates and they expect their $50,000 car to have a relevant infotainment system for the next 10 years, not for the next year and a half. Um, so, so we're helping to increase the capabilities of those of those boxes and those modules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about your most recent offering in that space? Because I understand you just uh, unveiled something in that infotainment space. Right. So uh, specifically, the uh, the Max One Six Nine Nine Three is a is a multi-channel power supply product that's targeted toward uh, instrument clusters. And, and now, as you probably know, instrument clusters over the last five years have gone from really the traditional analog dials that uh, have dominated the market for the last 50 years where you'd have maybe four dials. You had a speedometer, tactometer, fuel, and, and temperature gauge. And now they're, they're rolling in um, multiple screens, TFT screens, uh, sometimes one small screen, sometimes two small, sometimes the entire cluster is a screen. And that allows a tremendous amount of flexibility and data content to be put in front of the driver um, where not only are they getting information they couldn't get before, like who's calling on their phone or a small navigation screen to help them direct you know, as they're driving along, but they can change it and they can, they can modify it um, on the go, and they can instead of having a set screen here, they can toggle through a, a menu, and they can select what screens they want, and maybe they change those daily or monthly or whatever. So behind all that is a uh, an increase in, in processor capability and uh, the general uh, capability of the instrument cluster, and the one six nine nine three tries to uh, help accelerate that development process while. Um, delivering a smaller solution size, delivering it more efficiently than, than predecessor solutions, and then delivering it quietly with a, a lot of no, low noise and EMI mitigation methods. Well, and you know, that's one of the things that you don't really hear a lot about with automotive, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you hear with medical all the time, but noise, the car is becoming incredibly noisy, isn't it? I mean, it's been noisy, but it's going to get even worse. Yeah, it's, you know, I deal a lot with DC-DC converters and we sell a lot of them into the automotive market and if there's one overwhelming fear and paranoia that, that runs through all of these uh, electro- automotive electronic design engineers, it's EMI. So while I'm trying to sell more DC-DC converters and we're trying to bring those in the cars to help uh, improve efficiency and deliver the solutions that are needed, there's, you're adding more and more noise into the car uh, and that makes the challenges harder. It does, I can imagine. Now, what kind of um, support do you offer? Let's say I want to include your solution, and I'm an automotive guy, so I may not have like the most up-to-date digital bus knowledge and all of this other. I'm going to need some hand-holding, and not because I don't know what I'm doing, but because this is very cutting-edge stuff. What kind of support do you offer the engineer to integrate your uh, tech into their solution? Right. Well, from the uh, from the EMI side, if, if that's your the intent of your question, um, or or any aspect. I mean, I just started with EMI, but I apologize, Dan. You know, whatever aspect you want to touch on. Right. So the first step is to to take these these core power supplies that are that are used in the car and to integrate them into a single IC. So so that takes 
um, it takes a, a one basic challenge out of it. You, you've simplified, you know, the selection and the, and the layout because now you you have, you know, we've got a predefined layout that customers can use, um, and we have an IC where we've integrated a lot of features to uh, eliminate some of the compensation components, eliminate some of the feedback resistors. So the overall uh, design and effort is is more straightforward than if you were uh, designing these with discrete components. Oh, go ahead, please, Dan. Oh, oh and then moving on to the EMI uh, topic, um, we have a, the whole system can run at 2 megahertz, so that will allow uh, an engineer to avoid any AM band interference. And then we also uh, uh, throw in a slew of EMI mitigation techniques with a spread spectrum oscillator that can be turned on or off um, with synchronization inputs um, with, with the ability to run in a, a constant frequency mode. So these help uh, you know, when they finally get that design fully laid out, you know, maybe 12 months into the design, and they're, and they're in the EMI chamber, and then they're starting to see some things show up that they didn't expect. They have little knobs to tweak to address those. Well, and, 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 and I must admit that's something I'm an old school, as I mentioned, you know, the car stereo, uh, the alarm side. Uh, I'm also an old uh, all, uh, car audio uh, guy and all. And it's not like you can just ground to the body anymore, especially if it's a carbon fiber body. But we're, not even, we're way beyond simple uh, EMI mitigation, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a rather complex um, science, I'll say. That you know involves quite a bit of filtering, and uh, it, it's it's very dependent on the specific board layout and, and a lot of other components. So, so the the applications team members that we work with uh, have many years of experience and have taken hundreds of products into market. So, uh, we we do help people work through all that. Well, then let's uh, let's let's go back. I, we we drifted a little on the EMI, and I apologize because it was something that was uh, interesting me there. But I'm. Uh, I'd like to talk about something a little more broad. Let's go back into the functionality side. How scalable is this? I mean, if I, let's say, for example, I offer a line of vehicles. How, how many of your devices do I buy to offer a, a, a layered level of functionality, or is it a case if I can turn on layers of functionality within device for the various levels of functionality that I want to express to my customers? Yeah, so we, we designed this part um, – to, to handle the core um, supply for most uh, instrument clusters. So um, generally speaking, a, a, a Tier 1 customer might develop a platform for a cluster, and it's going to have a variety of components uh, across that whole platform. So it's going to have the same processor, likely to have the same memory. Um, there's going to be a CAN bus, um, some always-on circuitry. And, and that's what this device is, is designed to power. So it powers, you know, uh, uh, for the for the average instrument cluster or, or new modern instrument cluster, it's going to provide all the power for the whole system. And then if there's one or two add-on functions, uh, then then the engineers can add that uh, you know separately. Got it. Got it. No, the reason because. Um that that was like I said a little bit of the audio side talking because uh, some companies in the case of like the DSP audio stuff is you could turn on various levels of uh, decoding whatever the codec is in the firmware and all but I, I realize what you're saying your device is not so much that side of the aspect as in controlling and managing and making sure it all functions properly. Yeah, correct. That's correct. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, so. Now, Dan, um, I always give my audience an opportunity to uh, have the last word 
to hear the interviewee as opposed to me just rattle on. So give us some, uh, what, what, what are your final thoughts? What would you like to leave our audience with after this conversation, talking about this whole auto-infotainment space and what you're doing? What would you like to leave our audience with as a final thought? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, specific to this product, but also across the other solutions that Maxim delivers, we're, we're very focused on automotive infotainment, in particular uh, instrument clusters and head units. Um, and we are right in the middle of um, seeing the fast evolution and the fast growth and processing capability and functionality that these boxes are, are being expected to deliver to the, the car makers and to the, the drivers of the cars. Um, so we're, we're excited by the challenge. We're excited about all the, uh, the new features and the new content that's going into these boxes. And we're, you know, we're analog guys, so we're in the background a little bit, and we're just trying to make these things work better and, and make the designs get to market more effectively. And uh, you know, we're, we're just very happy to be here and to be uh, working with uh, the engineers that, that we're able to work with. Well, Dan, uh, thank you for saying that. And, and, and I, I know I said I, we're going to give you a last word, but I have to say analog is the front end because the world is analog. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. You are really a charming person to talk to. I've got to drag you back on one day. Um, but for now, unfortunately, we're going to have to end it. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. All right, Alex, thank you very much. And I'd like to, and you're welcome, and I'd like to thank the audience for taking the time to be with us because obviously we wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day. <laughs>